Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast. And thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode of the podcast, we'll introduce you to Lindsay Bryan, who is the Health and Wellness Manager for the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. Lindsay will be discussing Alzheimer's disease and dementia, including how to identify the signs of Alzheimer's and dementia, as well as the steps that you can take that have proven to be effective in the area of prevention. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highwood Health Podcast. And now let's hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Lindsay Bryan. The folks at the Alzheimer's Association say that color is important and purple is the signature color for Alzheimer's awareness because it combines two colors, blue and red. The calm stability of blue and the passionate energy of red. Lindsay Bryan, good morning. And when you put that together, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Sure does. Thank you for being with us here this morning. We have a chance to meet briefly at Mid-America, and at long last we have you here on the program, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, that was an awesome experience, but it was also my second week in the trucking industry, so I'm feeling much more settled in now. <laughs> yeah, you're an old hand by now. Excited <laughs> <laughs> to put my experience to work now. <laughs> well, there are several areas here, the pigeonholes, so to speak. We're going to talk about some numbers, of course. you got to know the numbers. And what is it? It's not normal is what it is not. What are the it's symptoms? Not. That's a laundry list as well. And then what about prevention? And there are so many little seemingly unrelated things we can do to help forestall that. We're not going to go here at the moment, but during the break, and I didn't know this, you mentioned salt can be a problem. Sodium can be a problem because mm -hmm. it doesn't affect your brain and give you Alzheimer's, but it does something to something else that does something to something else. And then that little chain of command goes down and winds up in your brain and now you got a problem. So there are so many links and so many chains throughout the process of prevention, the process of treating. It's brain boggling, isn't it? It is. It is brain boggling how much all of it is interrelated. I'm going to run through some statistics here just to kind of get that out of the way. And what I mean by that is if folks don't know the importance of this topic, if they haven't seen firsthand the decimation of a human being from Alzheimer's, well, I don't know what to say about that. But around the world, they say about 50, 55 million people have some type of dementia. About 47 million have Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. But here's the number that really gets me. We are improving in so many areas health-wise, Lindsay. Why do you think or why is the general consensus, we're going to go from 47, they say, million now to 76 million in the next, what, six, seven years by 2030. That's far beyond a leap or a jump. I mean, it's terrifying, I'm being quite honest. We've got numerous factors that are going into that. Part of it is just an aging population. We have many people that are falling right within that time frame of when dementia and Alzheimer's are most likely to start showing signs. I know this is going to sound a little backwards, but sometimes it's a good sign. It means that we are better at catching it early and diagnosing it, whereas before we might have taken our beloved grandma and just kind of tucked her in a back room of, well, we don't know what's going wrong here. So in some situations, this is a sign that medicine is moving in the right direction. But some of it is also a reflection of lifestyle changes as a society. 
a little less activity and a little more of the unhealthy foods, quick, easy processed foods, and it's all just creating this perfect storm. That's interesting you say that because, yeah, I put grandma in the back room there. Yeah, she's old. All old people are like that. We get into that. All teenagers are the same. All infants mm-hmm. are the same. All old people are the same. The truth couldn't be further from the truth. We've come to some slow awareness of that. No, wait a minute. It's not normal. It's normal for that person to do crossword puzzles and find out that Overlord was one of the names in the crossword puzzle at D-Day, that sort of thing. Going places doing things that's the normal for any age old included i know you have frailty and physical things but the brain shouldn't do this right no it shouldn't for a long time i think they were lumped into the same category of like okay we get older we get a little more forgetful but also as we develop dementia and alzheimer's we get a little bit more forgetful and so it was hard to differentiate what is normal for forgetfulness and what is this is something wrong and it needs to be addressed Yeah. When I was a kid, I lived in a family environment where we all lived in the same big house that was made into different apartments. And we had aunts and uncles and grandparents all there. When one of my aunts or my mother would call your name, she'd go through the entire roster of every kid in the family before she got to your name. And it was almost like a thing. And you always go back and wonder, wait a minute, was that something or not? Because again, it was just what the adults did, so to speak, when you were a kid. They weren't Mm -hmm. expected to remember anything. You weren't expected to know anything, and the adults weren't expected to remember anything. (laughs) Some of that sounds like very normal, but it obviously can be some early signs that that memory may be going quicker than we would expect it to. I'm going to kind of jump back to the numbers again real quick, just kind of emphasize this. This is from the Alzheimer's Association. 55 million have dementia around the world. But of those, 47 million have Alzheimer's. That's 60 to 80 percent. It's progressive. It's chronic. Being progressive is a good thing and almost a bad thing, isn't it? Because you're going to catch it sooner or later, but basically most of us are going to catch it later. Yes, that would be the hope is that we're making enough advancements so that we can make some lifestyle changes and put off the onset. But the progressive part, I think, is what we're gaining more awareness about is how does this disease progress? And the good news is that we've got ways to slow that progression down now. When they say if you're old enough and if you're a male, you can get prostate cancer. And depending on your age and your general health, they kind of say, well, you know what? You're going to outlive this. You're going to beat this race. So don't worry about that. We can't say that with this sort of thing. But last month was Stroke Awareness Month. And we had a couple of highway to healths devoted to strokes, what you can do about strokes, what they are, the two different kinds of strokes. Dementia slash Alzheimer's is caused by a combination of plaques and tangles in the brain. You kind of almost feel like you know what that is, but what is that? Can you tell us what the plaques and tangles in the brain are? Does everybody have this to one degree or another, or is the idea of plaques and tangles itself not normal? Yeah, so really the development is not normal. This is a lot of what was discovered by Dr. Alzheimer as he was doing his research. Hey, this is abnormal and we're seeing this repeatedly in the brains of people with this set of behavior and abnormal aging process. So those plaques and tangles without getting into too in-depth in the chemistry and science part of it, we've got this very complicated network of cells in our brains and it's what runs everything that we do on a regular basis from 
movement and thought process to keeping our heartbeat going. And that network can get very excessively tangled to where the nerves are not firing like they should be. That message isn't getting where it needs to go. And then the plaques, literally, if you were to imagine like flash on your teeth, it's almost like that. And it's meshing up all of these cells in a way that, again, that message cannot transmit like it needs to. And so that's where that confusion starts happening very early on. It's not so much, oh gosh, I can't remember that person's name. It's I'm holding a set of car keys in my hand and I don't know what this goes to. It's a different type of confusion. And on the surface early on, it looks very similar to normal forgetfulness, but then it gets more complicated as it goes because it's taking up more space in the brain. And at first, I think we can pretty much work our way around that. In other words, not remembering where you put your keys is one thing. Not remembering why you have the keys in your hand is something completely different. But then we're smart enough and able enough to kind of skirt around that to some degree for some time. So we can kind of be our own worst enemy in those cases, I think. Mm -hmm. Many times, and especially if people are chalking it up to, oh, normal aging, this person's just more forgetful as they're getting older, or if we are just living so independently that somebody's not catching those symptoms early, then it certainly can continue to progress before it's diagnosed. Yeah, I guess be true to yourself, don't kid yourself is probably the first order of the day here in terms of, hey, wait a minute, maybe I'm one of the 47 million. There's enough of them to fill those buses and I'm just one more person. So yeah, self-awareness and then action is the key because somebody else can't really do that for you. And again, you can kind of get away with a lot of stuff with other people, even close people. You know what I'm trying to say here. We never want to say that we're sick. We never want to admit it to ourselves, much less anybody else. Absolutely. And many times people are afraid to say something. What if something major is going on and this person's just stressed out? Or how do I broach this conversation? This is very uncomfortable to say. I think you may have signs of a chronic progressive disease. So the earlier we can have that conversation of, hey, I'm seeing some concerning signs here. Maybe it's time to just check in with your doctor. Then we can start on treatments to prevent that progression. We're going to take a real quick break right here. It's Highway to Health. Lindsay Bryan is with us, the Health and Wellness Director at St. Christopher. In 1906, Alois Alzheimer, a pathologist, discovered, quote, an unusual disease of the cerebral cortex. He called it presentile dementia, later to be known as Alzheimer's disease. You're listening to the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. If you would like to stay up to date on what's happening with Radio Nemo, please visit RadioNemo.com. You'll see the latest on the Dave Nemo Show, Dave Nemo Weekends, and the Tim Ridley Show. RadioNemo.com also has a blog section with news and notes from around the trucking industry. That web address is again, RadioNemo.com. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to The Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The trip down the highway to health on The Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Now let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. 
Alzheimer's goes well beyond not remembering why you have the keys in your hand standing in front of your car. That's one of the, I guess you might say, one of the exterior types of indicators. But inside your body, there is all kinds of stuff going on. And some of that we can do something about. But Alzheimer's can get so bad. And you know this, Lindsay. You can also forget how to swallow. You can't mm-hmm. eat. You can't swallow. You have to consciously do that. I mean, it's unimaginable. But there are some things we can control. But as you point out, there are two things we can't control. So let's just knock those out real quick. Genetics and age, right? Okay, just take those off the playing yes. field. Yep. We get what we get and we don't pitch a set. As the <laughs> saying goes, our genetics we have no control over. So first, there is a genetic predisposition. And I think it's important to know if it's there. So if there's a family history of dementia or Alzheimer's. It doesn't always mean that it was a genetic form of it, but it's safe to say that we should take some extra precautions and be a little bit more mindful about some of the things that we can control. And we go down again, a laundry list, and essentially these are the usual suspects. But wait, now there's actual proof through studies and research that, yeah, this really does work. It's not just something you're reading on a list and it doesn't mean anything. So let's go down that list, if you would, Lindsay. Yeah, so starting with diet, this is one of the biggest factors that I think we can touch on because this is an everyday choice that we have to make in every single meal that we eat. And it's not to say that we can't have that occasional treat, but it really is important for us to focus on the fruits, the vegetables, the lower fat proteins, the healthy fats. It really is a lifestyle choice that goes into this. I think it's important to enjoy what you're eating, but being mindful about what those choices are to reduce risk. So whenever we can aim for whole grains, reduce the red meat to a degree, I know everybody's going, oh, no, (laughs) not that again. But yes, it really is true. And again, it's not to say that you can't enjoy an occasional steak, but if we can have a little more poultry, a little more fish, and a little less red meat, we're aiming in the right direction. Exercise, obviously, we don't even need to go into exercise. I did want to point this out, too, though, and I want to get your take on this. You see people who get Alzheimer's who have been the peak of health, just physical specimens. They're smart, they're strong, and then they get hit by Alzheimer's. That could very well be genetic, and there's nothing you can do about that. It's not necessarily a guy who proves that all of the diet and exercise is wrong, and I think folks can really get thrown off on that sort of thing. Yeah, I think kind of the risk of those difficult cases of here's somebody who we see as having done everything right, and unfortunately, that risk is still there. And like you said, there can be that genetic component. So, of course, when we see that, it's very easy for us to say, well, why put in the effort if the risk is still there? But this is an estimate, but what if we were to say that we reduce that risk by half in making the effort to eat healthier and get in our exercise? Would that be worth it? Probably for most people. I would think so. It should be for sure. Here's something on the list that I saw a little bit surprising. Reduce the risk for head trauma. Has there been a real correlation between, let's say, dementia here slash Alzheimer's for head trauma? And do we know how severe that would have to be? Or are we just kind of getting into that? I think that the research is clear, but it's still very early. And so I think this picture is painting out most clearly in 
our football players. I mean, we're seeing studies coming out, and unfortunately, many of this is post-mortem, so after they have passed, where they have a very lengthy history of just trouble functioning. I mean, it's the quality of life that is lacking for some of them. And then post-mortem, when there are studies done, hey, surprise, they've had a number of head injuries that were significant. So one of the easiest things that we can do, now, of course, I'm saying this as somebody who's not a football player, but wearing a helmet when it's appropriate like when riding a bike and wearing our seatbelt. Understood, understood. Quitting smoking, getting sleep. Again, I don't say that in any negative way, but I mean, there is a list of things that if we do it, we're going to be better off. Maybe not the Mm -hmm. best, but at least better. Absolutely. It seems like such a little thing when life is busy. I mean, we all know that feeling life is busy. I just don't have time for eight hours of sleep. But those sleep cycles really make a difference for clearing out the junk, if you will, in our brains. And it's so important. It really is. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.